This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dulcet tones of midnight oil, and I remember going to a concert of theirs at the Cloverly Tavern in Palmerston North. And Peter Garrett climbed up on the speaker stack and jumped off onto the stage and went through the floor and carried on singing "Waist High" in the in the um, in the pub there. And a man that's written a book about them. We're not going to talk too much about that because he's written a wonderful rugby league book called Jack Gibson's Fur Coat. Uh, joining us now out of Australia, Glenn Humphreys. G'day, Glenn. Hi, how are you, Mark? Very well. Uh, probably more known for your books on beers, which is just dear to New Zealanders' hearts as well, but I was fascinated to see you wrote about Midnight Oil as well. You, you've been in the journalism game for a long time. Do you get to pick and choose about writing stories about subjects you love? Uh, in terms of the, the books I do, I do a, a, a bit of self-publishing uh, and it's just the idea of uh, writing books that sh- I think should exist. There's something I want to read and no one else is doing it. So I figure, well, I might as well do it. <laughs> that's a great That's a great one. Uh, Midnight All, did you get to spend much time with them when you wrote the book? I haven't read it, but I've loved their music for a long time. Uh, no, it was actually written through uh, uh, news clippings and listening to a lot of the music. Hmm. Uh, it, the book was about just looking at... Um, the 10 to 1 and the Red Sails and Sunset albums. They're the, they're the biggest ones, and Red Sails was always my favourite, and I felt like I think it got disrespected. It seems to be the the album that a lot of people don't like, whereas I think it's the, the best one they've done. So I just wanted to have a look at that period, song by song. Nice. So Jack Gibson's Fur Coat, interesting title because he does have a magnificent fur coat. It's on the... It's on the cover with Peter Sterling, uh, who's not wearing a top, actually. He just one wrapped round his neck. But Rugby League Oddities and Artifacts. Now, this is my kind of book, uh, Glenn, because it's pick it up, put it down, read a few pages, a different story, uh, all encompassed within a, a little chapter, 36-odd chapters. This must have been fun to do. Uh, yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, I had the idea. I'd written a previous book last year for Gilding Street, this publisher, called Biff, which was about um, the famous rugby league fights over the years. <laughs> and fishing around for a follow-up with, on a rugby league theme, I knew a few of the stories that are in the book already, and I thought if I can find some more unusual ones, you know, there, there'll be legs in that, there'll be a book there. And it wasn't that hard to find, you know, stories of you know, drunk footballers, footballers trashing hotels, footballers getting poisoned by mother-in-laws, all sorts of things. The rich tapestry 
in rugby league history. Yeah, and it's amazing that some of these stories come from long, long ago, but they're very familiar to us, even even Kiwis. Um, two that I've picked out in particular. Um, so Scotty Sattler is part of our wider radio group, or SEN in Australia, where SENZ, and his dad and his broken jaw. Now, I knew that he'd played in a grand final. I knew that he'd had his jaw broken, but the story around it was, was quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I want that story in itself is well known, but I think everybody just knows the the few seconds of colour footage we've seen of the actual incident where he gets an elbow to the jaw. Um, what I found, I actually watched the whole game, and firstly, the game is shot from a different angle, so you watch it, and it just comes out of the blue. There's no biff. There's no um, settling period beforehand. He just suddenly gets whacked for for no apparent reason. And then you follow those two players, John Sattler and uh, John Bucknell, through the game, and you find out they're actually opposing props as well. So every single scrum from that point on, the two of them are packing down head to head. And you know you don't need to be a genius to know what happens after every scrum that the two of them sort of go at each other. The irony of the whole thing is it was, I guess, designed to get Sattler off the field, and it ends up that Bucknell's the one who has to leave the game early because every single South Sydney player is just going at him in every tackle and he's just you know in the circus of pain and has to leave I think halfway through the second half he has to be taken off the field while Sattler stays on for the whole game. The colourful characters and the history and the tapestry that you've encapsulated so well here one guy that Kiwis love to unlike I guess because he's part of the (laughs) part of the commentary team now Steve Roach Steve Blocker Roach and we feel over here, whenever he commentates Warriors games, New Zealand Warriors games, he just doesn't like him. So therefore, we don't we don't like him back. And um, he was a rambunctious character. How many sprinklings of him are there through the book? Um, he was. I think he's in there perhaps briefly in terms of referees, just referring to that instance where he was. Uh, I think he was sent off the field by the referee, and as on his way out, he pats the referee on the head and then I think he gives a spray to the touchy as he's walking off. And yeah, he, that was sort of an iconic moment in uh, Australian rugby league because well, probably like New Zealand rugby league, you probably shouldn't touch the referee. No, That's not a good idea. And the other thing you shouldn't do is touch an opposing player with a finger in a place that should never be touched. John Hopawati, call him famous, call him infamous. Something that I took out of that story, that's the one I read last night, actually. He played 13 seasons and he spent 45 weeks suspended, which is two full seasons. Now, I thought that would be some sort of NL record, but you put that straight. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not far off the record, we would say. But yeah, there's others by other players that, you know, would get suspended for extended periods of time. Like Les Boyd in the 80s pretty much had around two years all up if you counted all these suspensions on the sideline. Um, but yeah, for Hopawati, there was a range of incidents. Certainly the one that he's most well known for is uh, what he chose to do with his um, digits in several games. I think, you know, we don't need to spell it out. I think everybody knows what he did. Yeah, the thing I didn't realise was there was the famous game, and I think he did it to two or three players, but he had history. It was almost like a party trick of his. Yeah, yeah, it blew up. I think it was the Cowboys he was playing, and several of them complained. 
and was sort of not comfortable with exactly explaining what he did. And then as a result of that, several other players from other teams over the years came out and you know said, yeah, he's done that same thing to me. So it certainly wasn't um, a one-off by any measure. For him, the whole idea was that he would he thought he'd do it so when the teammates were watching the game tapes uh, in the days after, it would give them something to laugh about. That was his excuse for why he did it. Just, just crazy. And he ended up, did he end up with a lifetime ban? Um, I'm not sure about a lifetime ban. I know he's sort of copped a bit. I believe he, um, when he was a spectator watching a, a younger um grade game he sort of abused an official or something and got in trouble for that as well so he's he, he, let's just say he knows the way to the to the judiciary it's not hard for him to find that place as i say there's well over 30 stories in here short stories which is perfect for us uh with limited attention spans you know some of the chapters or some of the stories are just three pages long great to pick up on a little coffee break or on the bus or on the plane or something like that what what are a couple of your particular favorite stories uh, well, one of my favourites would be the um, in 1946-47 Canterbury Bankstown taking the players taking the field drunk. Um, that was one I'd read uh, doing the research. I found that in referenced in one line in a book about rugby league, and I immediately thought, "Why is that only one line? I want to know more about that story." And you know, as it turned out, they were grand finalists that year, and several teams were going to play games in Queensland. This is before Brisbane teams were in the competition. The, the local sides were really excited to see how they matched up against the grand finalist in the Sydney comp in the big smoke. And they got they, the local team just shellacked them. And people were thinking, this shouldn't be happening. Some of these players look like they're not interested. They're missing tackles. They're dropping balls. They're distracted. And people started thinking, are they drunk? And... They were. You know, the, the players would um, later on defend themselves, insisting that they weren't drunk and everything was fine. And in the very next breath would say, yeah, but I met up with some friends at lunchtime and I had a few beers. And then in the afternoon, I had some whiskeys while we were waiting for the game. But I wasn't drunk. And it just sort of was one of those things where you just, just shut up. Just stop talking. Yeah. You're actually making it worse for yourself. There's even talks about players being chucked into the showers to have a cold shower before the game in a vain attempt to put them to sober up. So they're obviously in a, in a bad state. Looking through the contents, uh, the table of contents, it's hard to pick which ones I'm going to re- read next. I was 20 years a bookmaker, Glenn, and so fixing the game, that one's going to be next on my list. But it, things like beating the ref, murder and the mother-in-law, um, what a tackle. I mean, that's obviously going to be a smashing tackle. Uh, headgear, the C word. It's just, it, it draws me in this book. How have the sales gone and how's it been received? Um, it's early days yet. It's actually today is the publication day. Oh. Um, yeah, but yeah, so hoping it will go um, go quite well because every, I've spoken to a few people so far and they're, they're saying what you're saying, that it's you know, interesting read, stories I hadn't heard, and it's an easy read. You know, it's meant, you know, it's read, it's written to be entertaining, to be enjoyable, first and foremost. Yeah, it's just an easy read that people will enjoy. Yeah, and that's... And the, I think it, 
Sorry, I was just going to say, it brings context. Like, the, the first one I read was Sattler's jaw, because I thought, oh, yeah, he played with a broken jaw. Didn't know anything about it. And um, and so I, I read that, and then I went on YouTube, and I watched the clip, and then it just, it, it's now stuck with me. It's sort of a myth, and now I've got the, the full story. So you've done a good job at doing that. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I should mention there is there is a few brief mentions of New Zealand. The Warriors are in there. Um, oh. I think one in, one instance of I can't remember the player's name, but he wrote uh, a rude word on his wrist strapping. He was sitting on the sideline, and the cameras picked it up, and he basically got disciplined for having a a naughty word. I think it was the c word written on his strapping. Oh, he had but, smash. The or something. Yes, I remember that. Oh, yeah. oh I'm going to have to fold some blank. Yeah. No, that's it. Fold. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. was, it was his private inspiration that got beamed around Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And the sad thing is, he wasn't the first player to do that. Someone else had done it prior to him. And so, yeah, he didn't learn from others' mistakes. Mm. Just like most people haven't written a book, Glenn, you've done quite a few. How, how can you? Tell me a little bit about the process, how you decide what you're going to do, how you start, how long it takes you. I know it's probably all going to be different, but um, you, I, I liked your inspiration. You wanted to read a book about something and there was nothing out there, so you decided, well, I'll write it so others can read it. What, what's your process, or does it change depending on the subject matter? Uh, generally, uh, if I'm picking a, a subject that interests me and it's a book I think should exist and should fill a niche, then it's going to be something that I'm going to enjoy writing about. I think that's the the main key. I, don't, I wouldn't research a book on a subject that bored me because you're going to spend you know, six months or so doing the research and writing. So you want to actually have a book that you're interested in the subject matter through the whole process. Um, and just beyond that, you know, being a journalist for so long in terms of the writing, it's something I do every day. I'm used to meeting deadlines used to being disciplined. So the writing process isn't sort of very difficult. You just sit down for, you got a, a morning off or a day off, sit down for a couple hours in the morning and write, you know, five, 10 pages and that's done and then pick it up the next time. Well, it's fascinating. I feel very privileged that I'm sitting here looking at Jack Gibson's fur coat. Um, one of the first people to get it, and I've read about three of the chapters so far. Absolutely loved it. Looking forward to reading the rest of it. Glenn, it's been a, a delight to talk to you, um, and I hope your book goes really, really well. It deserves to. As you say, easy read, great for sports fans, and um, I'm sure Kiwis will lap it up. Great. Thanks for your time, Mark. Jack Gibson's fur coat. Rugby League Oddities and Artifacts by Glenn Humphreys. Good little book. Good, well, it's a biggish book. Lots of photos, colour photos, black and white photos, the whole shebang. Rugby League fans, it's well worth a little a little look. I'm just seeing if there's a price on the back. There's not. Um, Geldingstreetpress.com. Maybe you can order it from there. I should have asked them where we get it in New Zealand. I'll do some homework for you. We'll take a break. I'll let you know where you can get it after that.